You talked right at the beginning about the barriers, the barriers that have been between the Aboriginal culture and where you are. Um, within Australia, which is a very multicultural <coughs> society, with a pattern that as new immigrants come out, after several generations, I think you can say become um, integrated and, and almost, in a sense, lose elements of their original cultural identity. How can the Aboriginal community maintain their identity at the same time as breaking down the barriers between cultures? Would you like to take this one, Rob? Absolutely. <clears throat> um, I think it's in part of the whole equation about what is and what isn't. I think all the learned knowledge in the world would, in our case, speak of its survival. And I think that survival is based on inheritance, so that inherent survival is naturally, it's in the language, it's in the land, um, and it's something so hard to describe, but nonetheless it's real. So the knowledge that all the pan panel panelists are talking about, um, it's part of that inherent knowledge. So in effect, it's passing down the chain. So, and it's adaptation to diseases, adaptation to foreign languages, adaptation to the level of thinking, the ideology, um, and the level of acceptance of others. So that's something that's really uniquely old, but at the same time, having said that, it's uniquely shared, that knowledge, and how far we admit of the knowledge that's around us at the present time so that past knowledge going way back millennia is still very prevalent today and that will be prevalent in the future and the same given time, if you get my drift. So, and I think that's something that's really overlooked in academia, in the schooling system, and I think it's something that, um, that we are now readily to pass on to whoever wants to learn that. Um, and there is sacred knowledge and that will always remain and that's important to do that because everybody has their space and that's fine. But there's certain other knowledge, elements of knowledge that will be shared. So it's about that <clears throat> acceptance of who you are, what you are, where you come from, your survival of languages, which is so important as Bruce and Vicky and all the panelists have talked about, and Chris, with that knowledge, with Old Man Weed and, and whatever else, of all that plant life, um, sustenance is something else, so it's not just a cultural thing, but it's something that's a very much a connectedness, interconnectedness to the country, to the land and where you are and where you walk, how you breathe, how you speak. So, I mean, we're very, very lucky also at the same time in having survived this long in order to placate another storyline. So that song line has been coming from way over there and... Uh, comfortable? Janet? <laughs> um, coming from way over there, the song line, coming to now and it's arrived here at this point in time at this table. 
But that doesn't stop here. It just it's a continuation of that, and so that inherent knowledge is it's just so so important in capturing the stories um, that we all have and that you all have and share too as well in your own lives. So that, you know, six degrees of separation and interconnectedness is something that we all share and it's important to do so. So in the song lines, it's survived such a long time. So now it's ready to take on another journey, if you like. And if you're ready for it, the world is your oyster. But as far as, uh, well, you know, uh, 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 you know, making uh, us, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, having a rapport with those that have sought sanctuary in this country, I believe we should be at the gate doing a welcome ceremony to all these people that come to our shores seeking protection, a sanctuary, etc. And uh, we used to have it for the Vietnamese when they came here. At the Aboriginal, our pamphlet ran this uh, organisation at the Aboriginal Education Unit, my house, you know, Elizabeth and Lonsdale. And uh, they have to sit through a, a cross-cultural uh, awareness program, you know, but also an Aboriginal cross-cultural awareness program. They were spoken to by Croatians and people that had settled here post-war. And they were told that, yes, indeed, you can maintain your, your community, your languages, and, uh, and you'll be, you know, you'll be, uh, you know, you'll be uh, Australian, Vietnamese, and etc. And, uh, and, uh, and so uh, we, we, you know, we had a, a person named Ambrose Golden Brown, who used to give, uh, uh, you know, the Victorian Aboriginal history to these, uh, these sanctuary seekers coming from Vietnam. They had a great understanding of English because they were working with the Yanks and etc. And, and our army people, so you know they were allowed entry into this country because of that. And uh, so they undertook this uh, cross-cultural awareness program, and uh, we had a good time. Sat through two of them actually, listening to Ambrose Golden Brown wax lyrical on the early history of Victoria and Melbourne. Uh, but he also told the history of how uh, the word Mumba came about, and. Uh, <laughs> And, and, and he told them about uh, that the city fathers had asked uh, uh, two rebel, uh, you know, elders, spokespeople, two activists, the Onus brothers, to coin a phrase for a celebration that Melbourne was intending to have. And they went away and they came back and said, call it Mumba, it means let's get together and have fun. And all of us along the East Coast know this word well, Mum means bum, you know. <laughs> and, and, and so they were really saying, up your bum, to the Melbourne City Council. It had locked into the psyche, you know, into the Australian psyche so well, seven years later, the truth outed it. <laughs> I can remember. And we all had a jolly good old laugh. I was in the nick at the time when it was outed. And I so enjoyed reading about it, you know. So this, the, the first people that really got to understand us, to really have a, a, a far superior rapport uh, that we have even now uh, with the Vietnamese. And we'd like to continue this for those that are coming in from the subcontinent. You know, the behaviour of, of uh, from what have you, many of you know, the behaviour of taxi drivers towards my person refusing to pick me up because I'm Aboriginal. You know, we need also 
to blame, and I'm forcing this onto the taxi driver industry shortly. Already spoken to the two members of the Associated uh, Taxi Services. You need to bleed onto your taxi driving training skills, cross cultural Aboriginal awareness programs. Your people need to understand it because their sons and daughters, very shortly, although it's slow bleeding it into the school's curriculum, very shortly we'll be learning Victorian Aboriginal history. So it, it needs that we need to, to, those that are coming in cold, their first job is a taxi driver. You need cross-cultural awareness programs. And uh, they'll accept it, otherwise I'll be, we'll be suing the three gentlemen that, uh, that uh, refuse to pick me up, uh, <laughs> you know, and etc. <laughs> Just to go back to your question, um, it, it comes down to identity and knowing who you are and knowing your place because we've we got to remember that the, the continent of what is now Australia had many different nations, many different Aboriginal peoples right across the spectrum. And so we were maintaining identity, we were taking on the good society, cultures of other mobs as well, languages, we were sharing all those things. So we were well and well able to adapt when the English arrived. And I think that's probably one of the, the key things about Aboriginal people is that we've been able to adapt and continue to adapt without losing that core the core identity of who we are. And I think that's probably probably the, the most important fundamental thing is that we all know who we are at the end of the day. And so, we, you know, all, all communities, all demographics in Australia are, are challenged by who they are. And, you know, popular culture is probably the biggest risk. You know, we, we worry about popular culture with our kids, you know, Xbox and Maccas and Coca-Cola. But I was a kid and I was into all that. And, but all that time I spent with my family, I, would, I didn't know any different. You know, that was my life, and it wasn't probably until I was a lot older when I realised and started having kids of my own, I started realising that, hang on, I know all this other stuff, and that's not our life, that's not who we are, this is who we are here. And so it's something that, you know, we never really think about, it's, it's not a conscious thing to go out, we don't have to get up and, I don't look in the mirror every morning and say, yeah. You know, black power. You know. Don't you? I do. <laughs> we don't have to do that. So, so you know, it's it's not a fight that we we have in a conscious sense. Yeah. Um, it, it's just who we are. Yeah. It is like you know who you are, but then on the other hand, you know, like with language reclamation, that there are those things that we do want to, we do have to be actively. Yeah, yeah seeking and finding and reclaiming and regenerating so and you know land knowledge stuff and land practices um, and medicines and all those things there are those things that we you know we still need to relearn like Uncle Jack said you know it's a it's a process of learning but sorry just um, I think we've everyone's just about touched on it and I'll shut up so you can have a word in a minute <laughs> you know that that Aboriginal culture is about place and belonging. So everyone has a place and a belonging. And I think that it's human nature, every individual human wants to belong to a group, to a family, to a clan, to a tribe, um, you know, and have that identity. I mean, there might be the odd 
hermit who really just doesn't want to be around people much. But generally speaking, you know, we're, we want to belong. <coughs> and that's one of the, if you want to sum up Aboriginal culture in two words, it's place and belonging. And so when people came, you know, we found places for them within our social structure. And we still, you know, are sitting down, willing to sit down and be talking to people. And our old people, you know, Rob talked about the time for sharing our knowledge and the time is nigh, time is upon us now. But as human beings, you know, if we take away whatever culture you are, we're human beings and Mother Earth looks after all of us. And if we don't got clean water and we don't have food and medicine and stuff, we're all goners. So in that sense, we're all in this together, in the same boat. And notwithstanding, we have to, as Bruce eloquently um, and Chris before, you know, about how we're going to go forward together, because this is our shared story now. It's not a them and us. It's our stories, and we have to embrace all of them, you know, and um, take that forward in our spirits together, you know. And everybody that lives here has a responsibility. Yes, we have a sacred responsibility handed down to us from our ancestors since the beginning of time to care for the country as custodians. Nobody can own the country, you know. We belong to it and we all have a responsibility to care for it in all the different ways that we can. That's what I wanted to say. Yep. Okay. <laughs>